0: pain, there's no sorrow, there's joy and there's love. And we just want to dive into that tonight. Even the angels, they just encircle the throne and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we just want to start there tonight and just give God all the praise that we have. Amen. So just pray with me tonight. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for who you are. We thank you that we can taste heaven on earth right now. God, we just exalt you. We place you on your throne tonight. We just say that you are worthy of our praise in Jesus' name.
1: Come on, let me
2: sing this tonight, that you give life. Because
1: you give life, you are love. You give home to the die. we
2: so many times in, in this country, in the United States, we get so rushed and like hurried to kind of get to the next thing, you know what I mean, you know, we want to make it through college, we want to get done with high school, you know, or we want to get married, there's all these steps that we want to get to that's not what we are right now. And sometimes we let this kind of transcend into our spiritual life and in our walk with God. We say, you know what, I'm, I'm ready for the next song. I'm ready uh, for you to speak to me. Oh, you didn't speak to me. I got to go about my day. You know what I mean? I, or I know I should be reading right now and, I, and I'm not reading. Or, you know, I should just kind of wait for you. And and sometimes we, we miss God because we're not really willing to wait. And tonight, man, uh, I just felt like just for the next couple moments, we should just kind of wait on the Lord. We're going to keep singing this, but the words are really simple. You can sing your own song to God. You can just close your eyes and not do anything. But sometimes God just wants us to wait on him. The more we wait at times, it, it means, God, that's how much I want you. This is how much I want you to speak to me. This is how much I want to worship you with my life. So tonight, as we sing this out for the next couple moments, don't get, you know, antsy to to continue to move in service. But let's wait on him just a moment. And I believe that God's going to speak to us tonight. Amen. Amen. God, we give you our, uh, our circumstances. Lord, we give you everything that's going on in our life. God, and we ask you to have your way in us. Just telling that, Lord, have your way in me tonight, Lord. Receive our worship tonight, God. God, we thank you. We love you. Lord, and we say that you're worthy of everything that we have and so much more. So, God, we lift you up. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Tell your neighbor it's going to be an awesome night tonight. Make your way back to your seat. semester kicking off we have a few small groups that you can get involved in with the addition of a few new groups if you're interested be sure to stop by the foyer to get some more information and sign up
0: we wanted to remind you to follow us on all of our social media for service events and anything else connection you can follow us here on facebook or you can follow us here on Instagram. that's it for our announcements this week but let's continue our worship with our tithes and offerings
3: what's up guys how many of you enjoy worshiping jesus see if we would have been in india right now everyone would have given me a mixed signal they kind of do like a figure eight with their head so it's kind of like it's kind of weird but uh, I'm sure a lot of people can tell you a similar story to the one I'm about to tell you. kind of want to brag on Jesus. Uh, before we went on this India trip, I had zero, like nothing. But I knew God was calling me to go. And how many of you know if God has called you to do something, he's going to equip you to be able to do it? So what I began to do is say, God, you've called me to do this. I know you've equipped me to do it. So I began to claim and go ahead and receive what God, what I knew God was going to give me, even though I couldn't see it. And how many of you know that God is faithful and not only did He meet my need and the amount that I needed for the trip, but He gave me more and an abundance. And so, you know, if trust is a vital key component in a worldly relationship, how much more important is it in our relationship with our heavenly Father? We have to have trust. So I wanna encourage you tonight, if God has uh, put on your heart to give, if He's put on your heart to do something, don't operate in the spirit of fear but operate in a spirit of faith, because he can, uh, he is able to do uh, immeasurably more than you can even think of, amen? So, ushers, you can go ahead and pass the buckets, and Kendall has some good info for you.
4: All right, while they're passing the buckets, I just wanted to share a little story of when I was in India, um, me and Brittany Trumbull got to hang out with a lot of the kids while the guys were doing some manual labor. We would uh, sneak off with this guy that would, like, put us to work. And then we would just somehow get separated or lost from them. And so we were like, oh, while we're here, I guess we can just you know, play with the kids for like five hours. We like would like dirty ourselves up a little, and so when we got back with the guys, we're like, "Oh yeah, we just painted like 20 walls, you know, whatever." And so, but these kids were really awesome, and a lot of them they knew the Lord, and it was uh, it was really good to see that that they had this joy and this excitement for the Lord and um, their life that was ahead of them. A lot of them were huge Justin Bieber fans. Um, they were asking if we knew Justin Bieber, Chris Brown, all this stuff. So it was pretty interesting. But we have a little video here for y'all to show you some more about it.
2: Several months ago, there was a cyclone that devastated Vishakhna putnam a city in the southern region of India. We have a sister church on the rock located there that was greatly impacted by this powerful storm. Every building on their entire campus was damaged in some way. Roofs were ripped off, trees were twisted, and the entire campus was left in shambles. We felt that God called us to travel halfway around the world and help with their relief efforts. He provided a team of 11 from our church with nearly $30,000 to travel there and be a blessing to this campus. We had the opportunity to minister in local villages and to their seminary students. While we were there, our team not only ministered, but we also helped with their cleanup effort by working on their grounds and in their campus hospital. By your giving, we were able to purchase equipment needed to aid them in their campus cleanup. We want to personally thank you for your contributions and show you how your giving makes an impact around the world. On behalf of the COTR College of Ministries, we want to thank COTR Texarkana, Pastor Miller.
0: Thank you so much for blessing us with this piece of equipment. This is a blessing. We have all these buildings to scrape, to clean, to paint. And as you can see, what a beautiful
2: job it's doing is stripping the paint. And uh, we have much to clean. It will clean our automobiles, all the buildings, the bathrooms, and prep everything for paint.
4: We thank you. God bless you. We love you.
1: So who is this king? This kingdom lives forever.
2: Excited for you to be here. And y'all go ahead and make some noise for Pastor Travis as he comes up. Yeah.
5: How many people are excited about Jesus tonight? Anybody in here? Yeah, a few of y'all. Well, we are glad that you are here tonight. If you're our guest, man, we are so pumped up that you're here, that you fought the weather and uh, you came to hang out with us. How about we give a big shout to the band tonight? Man, faithful. Every week, just quality and uh, not just people that are good at playing instruments and singing, but people that love Jesus and are just blessed here at The Connection to have a great worship team and a great worship experience every week. Um, but last week, as you heard, we were in India. Um, it was a great trip. Uh, I didn't know that Kendall and Brittany didn't work at all, but, uh, you know, you kind of saw them there on the video. I guess they did like a couple minutes of work. So, um, But, man, India, it was like 80 degrees and it was like sunny. We were kind of in a tropical climate a few miles away with the Bay of Bengal. And uh, then we get off the airplane. It's like 38 degrees and raining here. And it's like, come on. You know what I mean? Like, this is not cool at all. I'm in summer mode, have my shorts on. But anyways, we're pumped up that you're here. Uh, Jesus is good. And uh, again, if you're a guest, we're glad that you're here. We believe the Lord brought you our way. And uh, we're here to worship together. Amen. Um, tonight, I'm starting a new series called Fifty Shades of... Cray, all right, and uh, yeah, so the whole message and the whole kind of uh, series of messages, we're going to go four or five weeks, Uh, we're going to talk about how to engage our crazy culture with the love of Christ. How many people know we live in a culture today, man, that's crazy? I mean, come on. I mean, is crazy, Dallas is crazy, the TV's crazy, India's crazy, Uh, I mean, everything's crazy and uh as christians god i believe is calling us to reach the world to engage the culture for him um think about the culture in the world that we live in today man drugs alcohol abuse um, sexuality the pornography industry people so many people are addicted there's a hatred in at least the American culture today uh, for Jesus and the things of Jesus especially in the entertainment world uh, just new religions are on the brink here in the culture the, the fastest growing religion uh, in America is non. Uh, and I believe it's because people are looking for truth in something and they see Christians, and a lot of times they don't see the beacon of Jesus or truth, but they see something alternative. Um, as Christians, it's time that we start living for Him and really engaging the culture, not shying away from the culture, but being a light in a dark culture for Jesus. Can I get amen? Uh, the title of the series, obviously, it's a uh, uh, whatever, a spinoff of the new movie that's coming out, Fifty Shades of Grey, which is based off uh, a best-selling book uh, that I have not read, um, but obviously it's, it's a lot about sex, it's a lot about... Uh, just kind of that lifestyle. I'm sure the movie is going to have a lot of sex in it, a lot of nudity, a lot of cussing uh, in it. There's going to be uh, millions of people that go and see it. There's going to gross hundreds of millions of dollars, and mostly probably by people that call themselves Christians. Amen? So uh, I believe that God is a redeemer, and so we're kind of redeeming this title for Jesus, all right? Uh, tonight's message, the point, uh, is this. Uh, again... That we would be in this culture, not of it, but we would engage it and we would show people the love of Christ. Like I said, uh, the society that we live in, man, it's crazy. And I believe that God is looking for some Christians that in turn to this craziness will match that craziness with God's love. Uh, that we will love people like crazy, that we will serve people like crazy, that we will multiply like crazy, that we will give our time and our energy and our hearts like crazy to people that are hurting and in need, okay? Um, I'm going to hit on different topics for the next uh, few weeks. We're going to talk about crazy love, crazy uh, discipleship, crazy serving. Uh, But tonight, kind of to kick this off, um, we're going to talk about ourselves. Um, we're going to talk about issues in our own life because if you're like me, man, inside I want to do so many great things for God. And sometimes it, I feel like I'm held back because there's issues in my life that I need to overcome. And I find the biggest hindrance that Christians have is not that God wants to not use me or he's looking for someone to use. God wants to use us. It's that we are almost crippled because we have issues and junk or sin in our life that makes us feel unqualified, that makes us pull away from God and therefore kind of forfeit uh, a culture that needs Jesus. Amen. Uh, I believe the solution uh, for the broken society that we live in is Christians living by standards and using their gifts and talents and abilities and their passion for Jesus to show people who He is. Uh, The solution is Christians that not only believe the Bible, but practice what the Bible preaches. Can I get amen? I'm going to need some help tonight. It's cold outside, all right? So I'm going to need like your warm claps and uh, amens. They help me get through, except for Mason Belk. I don't don't need those from you, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Tonight, I want to specifically uh, talk about how we as Christians can keep, again, ourselves from getting swallowed up by this crazy world. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about strategies to engage the world. This is a setup message. Um, Every single day, every one of us in here, we're exposed to a lot of junk. Uh, I mean, you just are. I mean, if you go to work, you're exposed to junk. If you turn on the TV, you're exposed to junk. If you go to college, you're exposed to junk. And the question is, how can we as Christians keep ourselves pure and keep ourselves from falling into the junk? Because I'll be honest, I've lived a lot of my Christian life knowing I wasn't supposed to be in the junk, but being in the junk, okay? Uh, I believe tonight God wants to help us get out of the junk if we're in. How do I keep myself pure? How do I live for Jesus How do I change some patterns and some habits in my life? Some of us in here, your mid-20s, your late 20s, early 20s, and you've had patterns in your life of maybe sin or dysfunction, and you've had these patterns for years. How many people believe it's time to get over some patterns in our life that are that are causing death? Patterns that are unhealthy. You know, I'm telling you, I'm really believing through this series, and especially tonight, there's some things that we've just become accustomed to doing because we live in this culture and it's okay. I believe tonight God's going to bring conviction. I mean, people know conviction's a good thing. Conviction points us to Holy Spirit. Uh, You know, God wants us to be convicted if there's some things that we're doing. But I'm telling you, I'm believing that through tonight's message, we're going to say, you know what, there's this issue in my life. I've known it was there, and I'm giving it to God tonight, and I'm going to get freedom because I want to engage a culture and help them, right? Um, You know, when we talk about the world is messed up or the culture is messed up, you realize that we're in the culture, right? A lot of times as Christians, we kind of talk like, oh, it's us versus them. But we live in this culture. Stats show that 80 to 90% of people in America profess Christianity, but you look at statistics, and I'll hit a couple in a minute, We are the problem, some of us. I'm part of the problem. You you know, we in this room, some of us are part of the problem. And it's time that we step up and we be the people God wants us to be, not because we're super great, but because we're super um, in tune with what God wants for our life. Amen. Um, I believe tonight God's going to show us some things. I I don't want to be a person that just preaches uh, what the Bible says. I want to be a person that lives what the Bible says. I don't want to be just a person that hears Pastor John on the weekend talk about godly things. I want to be a person that doesn't watch ungodly things. I want to be a person that doesn't talk ungodly. Amen. So that's what we're gonna, uh, where we're going tonight. We're gonna to do a setup message. Let's pray for a second, Lord. We love you. We thank you that you're good, Lord. Tonight, by your Holy Spirit, help us see what you want us to do, God. Help us if we're in the mud, God. Just help us come to a realization that we want out. God, we want to engage the culture. We want to show them you. Um, God, let us start with us. God, help us get freed from things. Help our mind uh, change. Help us see you tonight. In Jesus' name and all God's people said amen. amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1 is where we're going to start tonight. And real quick, we're going to look at a, a very popular person in the Bible. His name is Solomon. Uh, Solomon, uh, you know, he was the king after David. David and Bathsheba's son. Did some great things for God. But Sol- uh, Solomon was a man that towards the middle and end of his life, the dude just got absorbed and he messed up. And uh, I want to read a little bit. So Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1, are you there? If not, it will be on the screen. Okay, uh, something funny I did last night, I just got to tell y'all, we were in the youth group, and uh, every week I normally ask if they have their Bibles, and like seven or eight kids hold up a paper Bible, a few more kids hold up a phone, and other kids kind of point at the screen. Well, we had some leaders, like if, if you brought your Bible, we gave them a Starbucks card, and uh, there's like seven or eight kids that actually raised their hand, and the other 90 or 100 were like pretty ticked off about it, you know what I mean? It's, it's pretty funny. Uh, anyway, it's funny to me. Here we go. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, this is Solomon talking. You said... I said to myself, come on, I'll put pleasure to the test. I want to find out what is good, but that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter is foolish. I said, what can pleasure do for me? I tried cheering myself up by drinking wine. I even tried living in a foolish way, but wisdom was still guiding my mind. I wanted to see what was really important for men to do on earth during their few days of life. So I started large, large projects, I built houses for myself, I planted vineyards, I made gardens and parks, I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them, I made lakes to water groves of healthy trees, I bought male and female slaves, I had other slaves who were born in my house, I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem had ever done before, I stored up silver and gold for myself, I gathered up treasures of kings and their kingdoms. I got some male and female singers, because you got to have singers. I also got many women for myself. Women delight the hearts of men. I became far more important than anyone in Jerusalem had ever been before. And in spite of everything, I didn't lose my wisdom. Verse 10. I gave myself everything my eyes wanted. There wasn't any pleasure that I refused to give myself. I took delight in everything that I did. And that was what I got for all my work. In verse 11, he basically says that I looked at what I had accomplished and I realized that everything was meaningless. This is Solomon, uh, the, the most wise man that the Bible talks about. If you look at the life of Solomon, you see that this dude had everything. Anybody in here, you ever wanted more than you had? Seven of us. I mean, I want more than I have, okay? I mean, you, we can be honest, at least for a few minutes, right? Solomon, just like us, wanted more than he had, but Solomon had the means to get everything that he wanted, okay? If, if there's an Escalade he wanted, he could have bought it. If there's a girl he wanted, he married her. right? Solomon did anything and everything that he wanted. In 1 Kings 11:3, it talks about his wealth was far beyond imagination. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. For you math majors, he had a thousand girls, thousand. Okay. Anyways, First Kings four two uh, 21 and twenty six talks about Solomon had forty thousand stalls of horses uh, for his chariots, twelve thousand horsemen. Solomon reigned over all the kingdoms from the river until the land of the Philistines until the border of Egypt. Uh, each year Solomon received six hundred and sixty six talents. Of gold which is equivalent to over a billion dollars a year that he received in tribute this guy had everything yet if you read through the whole book of Ecclesiastes and I challenge you to do that the whole book is basically his sob story and it's like he's depressed not only is he depressed but if you read through there it's like the dude is like suicidal the guy had a thousand women He had sex as much as he wanted. He had a billion dollars. He could buy all the toys that he wanted to, yet it could not bring him fulfillment or happiness. See, Solomon's problem was that he wasn't satisfied. The guy wanted more, and he wanted more, and when he finally got more, he still wasn't satisfied. I think the greatest sin Uh, If you want to call it that in America, it's not uh, perversion or pornography or adultery or drinking. I think the greatest sin, if you will, in America is more. We want more. We just want more. I want this. I got a good job, but I want more money. I've got a good girl, but I'm not happy with her. I want more. I want this. We want more. Solomon wanted more. How much is enough? Uh, You know, all the time I, I talk to people, counsel people about their relationships, their marriages, about their finances. If I could just get to the next level, if my girlfriend would just be like this, if my guy, if my boyfriend would be like this, and my husband would just do this. And I'm telling you, Solomon, I think, is a picture of how many women does it take to be satisfied, guys? More than a thousand. How much money does it take to be satisfied? More than a billion, okay? Satisfaction does not come through material things or people, amen? It comes through God. And I think the whole kind of picture of Solomon being in the Bible is a picture of you can have more and more and it will never satisfy. Solomon was not satisfied. He had everything. He got absorbed by the culture. The beginning of his life, all he wanted was wisdom. All he wanted to do is follow God. Yet in the middle of his life, somehow he became so absorbed with these things that he said everything is meaningless. Look in 1 Kings 11, chapter chapter 11, verse 4. It says, when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God as his father David was. And I could read more and more. Solomon loved God, yet he wanted more women and more wealth and more power. And over time, his heart was absorbed by a culture that he was called to impact. If you read further about Solomon, you see that Solomon built temples and shrines to false God. He is the king of Israel, and he's building false idols to other gods. You know, a lot of times we put Solomon on a pedestal, but even in our own life, we talked about it a few weeks ago, do we have idols in our life? God's calling us to reach people and love people, but we have so many idols in our life that we can't engage people or share the love of Christ because we're so absorbed with something else. Let me tell you, God wants us to get our priorities on the right thing. The question is, how does someone start off so good but finish so bad? Solomon built a temple in Jerusalem. He asked for wisdom, yet he was continually drawn away from God because of sin. Solomon could not overcome the allure of the culture. And tonight, uh, you know, in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how we can impact the culture and practical things that we can do to show radical love to people and help people. But I'm telling you, You can't do much for Jesus if you are radically wrapped up in the culture. It's hard. The biggest struggle, I think, for Christians is not just to know the word, but to live the word. And the reason I'm talking about Solomon is because I believe there's a lot of Christians in general and Christians that are in this room tonight that you're struggling with the allure of the culture and the allure of sin. Sure, we love God. Sure, we love Jesus. Sure, we come to the connection on Thursday night. But is there a desire inside of us that's pulling us away from God? For Solomon, this desire ended up completely becoming his infatuation. Let me tell you, when you get 1,000 women, like, you got a problem. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, there's only 365 days in a year. I mean, Solomon probably, (laughs) anyways, Solomon, busy man, you know, uh, and it didn't satisfy him. And I wonder tonight, what's that thing that's kind of pulling you? Uh, I mean, is it, is it guys, girls? Is it money? Is it alcohol? Is it the need to uh, get approval from everybody? Is it pride? Is it material things? Is there something in your life that already has a hold of you? Or is trying to get a hold of you? Um, Guys, pornography, girls. Is it, you know, material things and different stuff? Is it education? You're just, you know, whatever. Is there something that's trying to grab a hold of you? Um, A lot of times, good things in our life, we talked about it, can become God's if we don't allow the proper uh, position of those things in our life. Um, A TV in our life, uh, I'm telling you, and and I'll talk about this in a second. A lot of us in here, we need to turn the TV off, okay? We watch hours and hours of it, and it's not just the time that we wasted. I say stats all the time, two years of watching TV for a lifetime is almost eight years of your life. I mean, that's a lot. God, I didn't have time to pray. Oh, you, you watch nine years of television, uh, you know. That's enough Friends episodes. I mean, you, you know what Chandler's going to say, you know what I mean. You know what the duck's going to do. He's going to walk in. I mean, come on, you know. Um, we, we just have to start prioritizing things better. And, and like I said, a lot of us, we need to be aware of what's coming in. Because we just think, oh, it's a cool TV show, it's a cool movie. But is it gripping us? Is it giving us that thought? Is it planting a seed inside of us that later is going to destroy us? Uh, we know that we live in a bad and ungodly society, but the question is, are we gripped by something? Um, see, it's hard to impact a culture, like I've been saying, when we are doing exactly what it's doing. Years ago, how many people in here have ever taken a, this demonic uh, class called algebra? <laughs> Ooh, it's bad. I remember in high school, I took algebra and... and uh, you know, and, and I was okay with math, but we got to this particular, like, chapter or whatever. And, man, everybody was struggling in this, in this class on this particular chapter. And I can remember I had a friend who was taking the same, uh, the same course, but a different teacher. And I can remember we had this homework. And, man, this homework was tough. So I did what you do when you're, like, a 10th or 11th grade. I just cheated. You know what I'm talking about? Ain't cheaters in the house? I'm talking about, like, 10th grade. I'm the worst person in here. Thank you. Either way, uh, so I, I, I cheated, you know, on the homework, and my buddy was real smart. And so I, I turned this homework in, and I made 100 on it. Praise God. And um, anyways, um, the teacher, when she was giving it back, I was the only one that passed this homework because obviously she wasn't a very good teacher, right? And uh, so the teacher couldn't, couldn't understand it. And uh, so what the teacher did was, she said, I don't know why I'm not explaining this very well, but we had one member in your class that really got it. Travis, just come up here and explain how you can do this stuff. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what happened, but I remember it was probably terrible, you know. I, I mean, how am I going to explain some math problems when I don't know what I'm doing? And it's the same thing, I think, in the Christian world, man. We, we we try to, man, act like we got it all together. And we have a, you know, we know the stuff inside of us, what the Bible says. But, man, how are you going to help someone get out of a pornography addiction if you look at porn every day, you know? How are you going to help somebody in their relationship with their boyfriend if, man, you keep falling in that area or whatever? I'm telling you not God wants to help us. Um, God wants to help us. Get ungripped for sin. Paul gives us basically an antidote for this disease of sin. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. And if you have notes or a phone, I want you to write this down. This is my theme for tonight and for this year, for my whole life, for uh, powerhouse and the connection. This is it. Verse 33, it's this, this is Paul talking about sin. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right. Catch this. And do not go on sinning. Okay? The word of God to some of us in here tonight, I think all of us, is this. If you are gripped by sin, quit sinning. That's it. You know what I mean? If sin has a hold in your life, this is a season of our life to say, you know what? It's not going to grip me anymore. I'm going to overcome sin because Jesus overcame sin because he saved me. And I'm not going to go on sinning. Some of us in here, like we said, we've been sinning the same thing a long time. It's time to get over it. Look at your neighbor and say, Get over it. Let your other neighbor and say, Sorry, I didn't pick you first, and say, Get over it. All right? The simple solution is if we are gripped by sin, we have to stop sinning. I want to talk about sin uh, for a second. First of all, sin is a big thing to God. Okay? It is. No matter how comfortable we may have come with a certain sin, it's still a big thing to God because Jesus was sent to, cr- to the cross to die for sin. It's still a big thing to God, all right? Um, there's three things that sin in, is and sin does that I want to talk about for a few minutes. Number one, if you're taking notes, sin is always second best. We're going to talk about sin for a second. Sin is always second best. What do I mean second best? I mean second best in the fact of what's best is God's plan for your life. And sin is always an alternative or second place to God's plan, okay? Uh, I want you to think about sex for a second. Sex inside of marriage is a good thing. That was God's plan. That's why he made it for procreation, for pleasure, within, with inside the, the constraints of a marriage. That's where it's the most gratifying. That's where it should be used. The problem is when you aren't married, you still want to have sex, okay? Okay? It, it just it is what it is and there's three things that you can do with this number one if you're unmarried you can do this you can fight the temptation you can save yourself and you can uh, fight you can wait number two is you can give in to premarital sex number three is you can watch pornography Jesus said if you look at a woman in lust you've committed the act so really if uh, talking about sex if you are not married you can either have sex or not have sex okay Having premarital sex or watching pornography is an alternative. It is second best to the thing that God intended it for. Okay, you can apply this to whatever thing is yours. Okay, gossip, um, talking about people, anger, um, whatever it is. But we're talking about sex as a good illustration. It would be like this. Um, your buddy calls you up and he's like, hey, I just got a promotion. It's 6 o'clock. Man, I want to celebrate. Meet me at the Olive Garden at 630. Any Olive Garden fans? Oh, okay. I got a few more responses. Talk about food here. Okay. Um, uh, I understand. So Olive Garden, man, meet me there in, in 30 minutes. And, and just a plug, guys, India, whew, curry, <laughs> bad stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Um, any of your friends that are like, man, uh, Indian food's awesome. Bro, be like, Curry, I heard it wasn't awesome, okay? Like uh, we had like four or five people get sick on the trip. Like Jacob came back sick, Zach was sick. Man, we thought we were going to have to carry Zach through the the airport. It's not bad when you're sick and you're like throwing up and you got like a 35-hour trip ahead of you, okay? So anyways, praise God for cheeseburgers and Olive Garden, Right? Anyway, so your buddy calls you, he's like, man, I got a promotion. You got a really good friend. He wants to take you out to dinner, man. Hey, 30 minutes, I'm going to swing by. We're going to go to Olive Garden. We're going to get to Endless, whatever. And you're like, awesome. So you go into the bathroom. You spruce up. You got your hair looking good. You put on your good shoes. You're in the kitchen. You're grabbing your keys because your buddy, he's just pulling up or he's about to. And you're like, man, I'm so hungry. Um, let me make some ramen noodles real quick. Some of you in here, you're like, you can eat all day long, and that's like not a big deal to you. But how wasteful would that be? Ramen noodles is a good, uh, it's good if it's like 2 o'clock in the morning and you're hungry. Can I get amen? Ramen noodles before you're getting a free meal to Olive Garden is stupid. That's second best, right? When we do sin, it's always second best. It's never the best. You know what I'm talking about? And just talking about sex, I'm telling you, premarital sex it's only temporary. There's only a feeling that's good temporary. Sin is only a temporary fulfillment. It's convenient and whatever you want to talk about. All right? God's plan is more than temporary. See, sin never satisfies. How come having sex one time with a boyfriend or girlfriend is never enough? How come looking at one pornographic image is never enough? Okay? Gossip is always the counterfeit to forgiveness anger is always the counterfeit to peace sin is a counterfeit we have to understand we will never be happy with sin how come people cannot just do one thing how come solomon couldn't just have two wives or four wives or 500 wives how about 999 dude had to have a thousand it's temporary are you feeling me tonight it's second best no one wants second best okay when you were a little kid growing up, your mom didn't say one day you're going to be the vice president. She was like, you're going to be the president, you know. We want to be first. You want to have the best, you wait for God's stuff. You don't sin. Sin is like that temporary thing off to the side, you know. Um, number two, second thing that sin does is sin separates. Sin separates. It separates us uh, us from God and his purpose. A few months ago, I, I preached about the two Lost sons, or the prodigal son, and the the younger son, as you remember, he took his father's inheritance, he left, he went and had wild living, uh, wasted it, ends up with the pigs. The son, the worst part wasn't that he was with pigs, the worst part was he left a father, there was separation there. Um, I'll be honest, when we were in India for whatever, nine or ten days, it was a great trip, did some cool stuff, ministered to some people. Um, I'll be honest, man, I miss my wife, I miss uh, my kid. And one, I guess twice, two or three times I talked to Whitney on the phone, but it wasn't the same. You know what I'm talking about? Because we had several thousand miles separating us. That's what sin does. And I'm telling you, you can be a Christian and love God, but be living a life of sin. That's why it feels like you are miles away from God. And it's like you can come to a church service, and it's kind of like that long-distance call that I made to Whitney. I mean, it was okay, but we were still disconnected. Does that make sense? God wants to connect people tonight. God wants to say, man, it's time to get over that sin. Give it to me. That's why I sent Jesus to die. And I'm telling you, we can be reconnected. The greatest thing in life, better than sex and marriage and money, is being close to the God who created us to be close to him. A lot of times we don't even realize it. And I want to ask you tonight, Is your walk with God distant, I'm telling you, you can come back. Here's the third thing. Sin can't deliver. If you're writing this down, sin cannot deliver. A thousand women couldn't deliver. A billion dollars couldn't deliver because sin cannot deliver. Any pizza fans in here, like all my analogies are about food. Y'all following me here? Like you know, we got some food after this and in our in, in after service, so it's gonna be good. But uh, I like pizza, okay? And uh, man, it really doesn't matter. Basically, anything but Papa John's. Uh, if you like Papa John's, whatever, you know what I mean? Like different strokes. Um, but I like I, I used to back in the day like Domino's. And if you remember, what set Domino's apart was Domino's—they would deliver your pizza within 30 minutes. Anybody ever deliver some pizza or, get, or deliver some pizza or get it delivered to you? Here's the deal, if they didn't deliver it within 30 minutes, the pizza was free. So I remember back in high school and junior high and stuff, man, we would like, we would basically try to get pizza for free. You know what I'm talking about? We'd be given like bad addresses and like all this stuff and all your 31 minutes, I need the pizza. Look, Domino's quit doing that because they were losing so much money. All these franchises were like, man, we can't do this anymore. We got people on their bicycles. They're not making it downtown in 30 minutes. We got to stop this. They were advertising something, basically, that they couldn't deliver on. Sin cannot deliver. It can't fulfill. It will always leave you empty and broken and unfulfilled and confused, all right? See, Jesus is the only filler. Can I get an amen? See, what sin is, is sin is just convenient. It's there. It's convenient. Um Another food analogy, I'm at Powerhouse every day, that's where our office is, and uh, we keep a snack bar, you know, pretty much stocked, and at least once a week, man, I'll just be hungry, and it'll be about lunchtime, but I'm not ready to go to lunch, so I'll go downstairs, i grab a Snickers, I'll grab some Skittles, come on, and uh, it's good, I'll be honest, like, it's the bomb. Um, And maybe a Dr. Pepper, depends on, you know, if I'm feeling like, you know, pretty lucky and I want some sugar. How many people know you get a Dr. Pepper and some Skittles? Life is good for about 45 minutes, but it doesn't fulfill, you know what I mean? You get a little sugar high, you feel good, but then it's like, ugh, you know? You feel bad because you broke your diet, because you're 30 now, and it goes to your love handles. (laughs) Life is bad. Got sin. It's like that sugar. It feels good for a minute. It's awesome. It gives you that spike, but it leaves you unfulfilled and feeling like trash. That's good. That's good. (laughs) There's two combating forces in America, in the American culture right now it's Christianity and it's Hellenism. Christianity is the belief that Jesus is the center of life, everything is about Jesus. Hellenism is the idea that man is the center. And I encourage you, go read about Alexander the Great around 300 B.C. Alexander is this great conqueror. He comes in and says, you know what, I want to conquer all this land, and I want to bring basically the Greek ideas to every corner of the earth. Okay? And he did a pretty good job of it. Alexander the Great had this idea. If I can do four things I can basically change the culture. So he would come in, he would conquer places, he would leave people there, and he would set up four institutions. You know what the institutions were? This is 2,500 years ago. He would set up a school, a gym, a theater, and religion in every city. Because if I can get people focused on everything but a God, if I can get them focused on themselves, I can basically further this uh, Greek uh, civilization throughout the four corners of the earth. You look at our culture today, it's all about me. It's all about us, right? It's like Hellenism, it's still kind of thriving 2,500 years later. There's a fight going on every single day inside of us. Is my life about Jesus or is it centered around me? And what the enemy has done is he tries to get us so focused on ourselves and focused on things that I'm doing and what makes me happy and how I can get ahead that we don't focus on God and we live a whole life, a whole existence without making an impact. Guys, we have to realize we focus on Christ. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the omega and the alpha, right? He's both. He's everything. We need to focus on him. So what's the solution to sin? There's a solution to sin. Here's three things I want to give you real fast. Number one, be born again. We all have this academic of sin. It's bad. I'm telling you, even like little babies, you'll see them. They get to a certain age. They start biting and kicking. My kid's just been bad biting people. Like Whitney and I don't go around biting stuff, you know. We don't go around like in our house and we're like fighting over like a cup. Like he just, we're born with the sin nature. Amen. Amen. And so, number one, how do we overcome sin? We become reborn. So, the question is I've been born in this world of sin. There's junk all around me, there's things all around me. I'm attracted to things that the Bible calls sin. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do when 70% of uh, males that are 18 years and older look at porn on a daily basis? What am I supposed to do when 23 and a half million Americans are addicted to drugs or alcohol? What am I supposed to do when it seems like people around me are bitter and they're judgmental and every movie uh, in Texarkana is rated R and I can't go on a date with my wife because they're all rated R because they got to throw in the F-bomb at the end of the movie, right? What am I supposed to do with all this stuff? The solution is John chapter 3. I want to look at it real quick. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher that has come from God, for no one can do these signs. You do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly. I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God to which is born of the flesh is flesh, and which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The secret to overcoming sin is that we have to be born again. It's not willpower, it's not great discipline, it's simply becoming new. And this may sound elementary to you that have been in church for a long time, but the way to overcome sin is through Jesus. How how do I do this? Nicodemus was a good Jew. And he said, how do do I become different? I I think this way, how do I become different? Jesus said, "You, you can't be different if you're the same person in this world. You have to be born again. The solution is to be born again, giving Jesus your whole heart, making him the Lord of your life. There's a difference between knowing about Jesus and having a relationship with God through Jesus. There is. There's a difference between making Jesus the Lord of your life. Jesus comes in to change. He'll change your mindset. He'll change your habits. He'll change what you deem important. He'll change your desires. He really will. That only happens through being born again. And a lot of times Christians, I think we go to church so much, maybe that we know the lingo and we know the stories, we know the verses. But we've never really allowed Jesus to allow us to be reborn, right? We're trying to overcome sin in the natural. You can't. Jesus says that you have to be reborn. You have to give him everything. Here's the second solution to overcoming sin as the band's coming up. Second solution to overcoming sin is Be transformed. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Our world, as we know, man, it's over-sexualized, it over-fantasizes, it's completely disconnected. And the only solution to not being completely absorbed into this American dream culture is to have a renewed mind. I'll be honest with you, man. Just because I work at a church, man, there's still desires inside me. There's still, you know, the world and sin that comes at me. Paul said this in Romans 7, 15, I don't understand my own actions, things that I want to do, I don't do. Things I do want to do, I don't do. The only way to not be attracted to things that the Bible calls sin is to have a new mind, is to be renewed. Look, when Christ renews my mind, I'm not just thinking about how to please myself, but I'm thinking about how to please him. Does this make sense? Renewing our mind is a daily thing. It's where we ask Jesus to come in to clean us, to forgive us, to show us Him, to show show us Him in a fresh way. If you wanna renew your mind, man, we gotta turn off the TV. If we wanna renew our mind, we gotta stop doing and acting and being around things that corrupt our mind. See, what you give your attention to, that's what you value. And what you value, that's what you're gonna think about. A lot of sin here, we think, oh, you know, I just watched a TV show. It's not like I went and did this or that, man. But we thought about sex or we thought about cheating or we thought about this. The Bible says to take every thought captive. The Bible says that God wants to give us a renewed mind where we don't even think about that stuff anymore. You know, if you don't think about sin, you're probably not going to sin as much. If you're sitting on the couch all day long watching bad shows that are all about sex and hooking up, you're hanging around with people that all they do is gossip and they're bitter towards one another you're gonna think about that and you're gonna become that who you are around that's who you become amen the Bible says think on things that are noble that are just that are pure a lot of you if you're in here man and you have just been falling into sin certain things and we all got that one thing that just it's easy for it to grab us Jesus wants to give us a renewed mind okay And really, the only thing that's going to give us a renewed mind is God's Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible talks about when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that He gives you boldness, He gives you power to overcome temptation. Some of you in here tonight, man, it's a night, we're going to have a time in a second where you can just hang out with the Lord and say, God, fill me with your spirit. God, give me a new mind. Some of you guys in here, man, you can't go 10 seconds without thinking about a girl naked. Come on. Tonight, God wants to give you a renewed mind. Here's the last thing. The final solution to overcoming sin is to follow God's commandments. Back to our boy Solomon. He tried everything. Wealth, toys, women. What did he find? Ecclesiastes 12, 12, verse 13 and 14. This is Solomon. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Solomon basically said the only thing that brings fulfillment in life is not another, another, or more, it's obeying God. The only thing that's going to bring fulfillment and contentment is obeying God. John 14, 15 says this, Jesus said, if you love me, you will what? You're going to obey my commandments. You want to be fulfilled this year? You want to do something amazing for Jesus? Obey his commandments. Sin never makes you fulfilled. It's second best. It's temporary. It's convenient. But it's never the best. See, really, the only thing that God wants out of our life is Obedience. That's the only thing He wants out of your life is obedience. If we simply obey Him, good things will happen in our life. A good question to ask ourselves is this. If God hates something, why do we think it will bring us pleasure? I mean, if it says this, it will bring forth destruction. If it says this is bad, why would we do it? You know, some of us in here, we need to learn from mistakes mistakes that we've made mistakes that others have made we don't have to keep falling down the the drain because we want to try something new follow the Bible your life will be good amen as we close tonight I wonder how many people in here you can relate to Solomon man I'm not saying you're bad Solomon was a good guy you know he wanted all those single ladies to have a palace he was a good guy but Solomon man he got absorbed by a culture At the end of his life, he comes back. I wonder tonight if you've been absorbed or maybe you can just feel something gripping you. Let me tell you, it's better before you get gripped to give it to Jesus and get through it than to get completely bogged down. You know, we we talk, the reason we minister to junior high and high school kids, I want those kids walking in freedom at 13 so they don't have to try to get um, counseling at 23. Come on. God tonight wants to help you. If you're 25 and you're struggling with something, God wants to help you tonight so you don't struggle with it at 45. So it doesn't mess your life and your marriage and your kids' lives up. Amen. I want you to stay on your feet tonight. I want to ask you two questions. First question is this, do you need to be born again? Nicodemus was a good guy, he was a good Jew. The problem isn't if we're good or bad. The problem is death and being alive. Jesus didn't come to make bad people better. He came to make dead people alive. That's why He came. If you're in this place tonight and you say, man, I need to be reborn. I've never invited Christ into my life. I've never said yes to Jesus. I'm telling you, He's a fulfiller. He's a sustainer. He's good. And tonight, you can say yes to Him. I mean, He died on the cross for us. He loves us. And He died to bridge a gap that was broken in a relationship so we could be reconnected to God. If you're in this place tonight and you say, man, I know God's tugging at my heart. I need to give Him my life. I need to be reborn. Man, if you, I want you to raise your hand, I want to pray for you. Anybody in here tonight, I need to be reborn need to be reborn amen that's why we're doing this series we're gonna get some people that need to be reborn in here in the next few weeks here's the second question maybe you're in this place tonight and you say man Travis I know Jesus I love him I have a relationship but I need God to renew my mind man I'm around junk all the time people at work people in my family and it's just like all the time there's a battle going on, and I need to think on things that are good. If you're in this place tonight and you just say, man, I need God to renew my mind, man. That's me. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Hey, man, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. There's a lot of people. Come up to the front. I'm going to pray for us all. If that's you, God, renew my mind. Look, the altar's not a place of weakness. It's a place of strength. It's a place to get closer to God. It's a place to say, God, I don't have it all figured out. The altar in the Old Testament was a place of death where you would say, God, I'm here, I'm dying to you. Just throw your hands up if this is you tonight, Lord. We love you, we need you. We don't have it all figured out. Lord, tonight we're asking you to come transform us by the renewing of our mind. God, those images that we've seen on television or movies, those things that we've heard people say that are in our mind, those thoughts that we have, that bitterness that we have, that anger that we have, that offense that we have, that thing that we just can't get past. God, I pray tonight that you would renew us. God, your Holy Spirit would fill us with grace and joy and peace tonight. God, that we wouldn't walk around just with carnal minds, but God, you would give us a mind that is set on you, a heart that is set on you. God. We want to do great things in this city with your people, but we know it starts with us. It starts with me. God, clean me out of anything. Purify me tonight. Just pray with me. God, purify me tonight. Help me tonight, God. I love you. Tell the Lord, I love you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what we're gonna do. Zach and the band, they're gonna lead us in a worship song. I want us to spend the next three or four minutes of this song. Can we just worship God? Man, the Bible says to examine yourself. Man, sometimes like, we will like check our homework and double check it, we'll go to the gym, we look in the mirror like 35 times before we actually touch a weight, we're examining ourselves. okay, I gotta do some abs. Tonight, tonight, we need to look at our spiritual life. Oh man, I've been looking at some junk. Oh man, hadn't prayed. Oh man, this is the time, God, I repent. God, give me the strength and grace to overcome this. Can we do that? Can we worship Him tonight?
1: Let's do that. Let's worship God. Because your name is high. your name is greater, and all my hope is you. In-
0: room tonight, a hunger for more, a hunger for deeper, and I just really believe that there is a grace to walk in the things that God has for you, and to change the pattern, and just a, a silly example, i am just, uh, this last week, I just really want to keep my house organized, amen ladies, uh, you know, and I really want to stay on top of that dang laundry, and I really want to keep my house clean, and it's just like, but I've got to change my habits, you know what I mean? And so this whole week, that's what I've been focusing on. It's just changing my habits. And so maybe that's you tonight. You've got to change those spiritual habits in your life. You've got to change those spiritual disciplines in your life. And it's a muscle. It's just like you got to work it out every day. And then when we come in here corporately, we get to rent the heavens. We get to go to those deep places. And so if that's you tonight, and you just feel like, you know, I want deeper, I want more, make a declaration that the song isn't just going to be the words that I say, but it's going to be the declaration of my life, that I really am going to change. I'm going to change the pattern. So let's just pray and ask God just to change that mindset in our heart if that's you tonight. Lord, we just worship you, and we thank you that you can change us you can change our mindset in an instant god that you can change the way we think the way we act the way we do lord we just give that sin to you we get that mindset to you and we just ask that you come and you renew us you baptize us tonight god that we will walk in the things that you have for us in jesus name let's just go back into that worship
5: He wants us to overcome things in our life. It's not like we're just trying to do it and God's just sitting back wondering if we will, and if we will, he'll help us and bless us. Man, God is the prime mover. He initiates the conviction that makes us want to change. Amen? God wants us to be more fulfilled than we do, have a better marriage, a better life than we do. Look, all of us in here, we're not perfect, but God wants to continue to work in our life. Again, man, if there's a sin that's crouching, the Bible says that the, the enemy is like a, a lion, like a lion, roaring. But Jesus is the lion, amen? And um, look, you can overcome sin because Jesus did it and He's inside of us. And um, look, when you go home tonight, spend some time with God. You know, I really felt what Whitney said, Lacey's word about this is a season to go after God. Your private time with God, is going to dictate how many people you influence and the direction that your life goes this year. And you can control that. You can control your prayer life. You might not can control your job or your school work or whatever, you can control your prayer life, amen? And I'm telling you, God will bless you. Look, we love you, we're glad you're here. Um, the next three or four weeks, we're gonna talk about how we can radically touch this area and this community for God how we can reach people for Jesus. Amen. I'm excited about it. Um, We have Late Nod here in a few minutes. Um, Is Kendall here? Hey, give it up for Kendall. Yeah. She's going to tell you about community groups.
4: We're starting back the year with our community groups, and this is just a way that we can break down this big group of people into smaller groups to get to know each of you. You know, God doesn't intend us to live life alone, and we want to live life together at the connection. We're a big family here, and um, it's a great way to get to know people that you normally wouldn't probably get to know. There's so many of us here. And so we really encourage you to go to your community group that you've already been assigned to. We have marrieds. We have singles. We have the college age. We have the older singles. Um, If you don't have a group, you can meet me and Whitney right here in the middle, and we'll find a place for you. Um, If you already know your group, go ahead and go to those groups right now, and then we'll see you late night after.